Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Worthy is your name, Lord. Worthy his name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I love those two songs, especially that the Worthy song. I just love that. That was amazing. I love where it takes us. I love how God moves in that song, and I just love the opportunity to uh, just tell God how worthy he is, how to tell Jesus how worthy he is. And it's amazing that, that that's kind of what I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, if I can get to the beginning of it, right there. Just stay with me during here. During the, this, I'm going to give a little scripture to stay with me during that part at least. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you today. Bless your holy name. I lift you up in the name of Jesus. And Father, I just thank you that you are the name above every name. And I plead the blood of Jesus over this place right now, Father, that you will be exalted, that you will be adored, Father, and that you will be, be the, our main focus right now, Father, and that, that everyone will hear the word of the Lord today. And I thank you for that, God. Be exalted. And Lord, let chains fall and fear bow, God. And, and I know a lot of people are going through a lot of things today, Father, and let their passion for you exceed, God, the things for this world. And I thank you for that in Jesus' holy Amen and amen and amen. Praise God. I want to read from you today. I want to talk to you about uh, break the box. Break the box. One of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible. I love it. Um, it's, it's all about passion. It's all about worship. And, and, and if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a full-time worshiper. I would, just go, I would just go around places and I would go around and just worship all the time. That's what I would do. I just love worship. And this, 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 this story is so much in my heart. Um, and I want to be the heart of our church as well. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 through 10. Now, the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or they may riot. While he was in Bethany... Um, reclining at the table in the home of a man known Simon the leper, which was known to be Mary Martha Lazarus's his father, a woman came with an alabaster box um, jar, and it was very expensive perfume made of pure spikenard. She broke the jar, and some say it was a box, some say it was a jar. It was full of it was her it was made of alabaster either way, and poured it the perfume on his head. Some of those presents were indignantly um, uh, said to one another, Why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Let her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor will always, um, you will always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured her perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. And see, at that point right there, everybody didn't understand what he meant by that because, because he was going to go to the cross and he hadn't yet been a, 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 you know, t taken yet. And so when they, they were like, what, are you going to die? What are you talking about? But it says, they, they, but, um, so it says for my burial. But I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her, or some, some translation says in a memorial to her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest who betrayed Jesus to him. They were delighted to hear this, and they promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. 
In John 14, 23, it says, look, God is looking for those who will worship in spirit and truth. In Romans 12, 12 and 1, it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And that's what, that's what Mary was doing here. She went and, and she broke all odds and went, and went against the culture, and went against everything to do what she did. And I want to talk to you about this today because she broke that before God. And that was symbolically the breaking of her spirit and the breaking of who she is. And men throw away, throw away broken things. But God can only use you if you're broken. God takes broken, men takes broken things and they throw it away. And they're like, oh, that's broken. It's no use. And God's like, oh, it's broken. Now I can use it. God's like, you're broken. You're, you, you, you got, you're broken. I can take you and I can put you on my potter's wheel and I can fix you. But when we think we're whole and we think we're all that and we think that we are in control, God's like, I can't use that attitude. I've always, I've always had a passion for things, um, but I haven't always used my passion for the right, the right thing. Have you ever met someone that had a lot of passion for the wrong thing? You know, I've told people sometimes, I say, hey, if you could take all that passion you have, uh, that, that hate you have against you know, Christianity, or that hate you have against God, that hate against you have against whatever, and turn it towards Jesus, and, and that same passion, not hate towards him, but love towards him, to use the same passion you have, but flip it towards, towards God, man, what a great Christian you would be. You know, I've had people that were, so, that were so angry, and I said, if you could take all that anger that's built up in you and flip that anger and turn it towards love and use the same passion. So they're using, they're using passion, but they're using it for the wrong things. See what I'm saying? That the passion is good. The, the passion is okay. But they're using it in a negative way, and that's what they were doing here. These people had, they had, they had passion. Judas had compassion, but he was using passion for his own selfishness. So here we are today. Because someone else broke the box. I often say, our senior adults here today, they've broken the box for us. They've, they've, they've paved the way. They've made it. They, 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 they kept the faith and they kept going to where we're at today so we can have a church. We live in a passionless world. There's so, there's so, lack of, there's so many people in this world and churches with lack of passion for God. We want, to have, we want to have God in this little box. And I, I should have brought a box, and I, I thought about that, but I got taken away. But a, a box, and, and we want to put God in this little box, and we want to have a little switch on the side, and we want to switch him on and off when we want him. You know, we want, God, I want you now, now I don't want you. I want you to leave me alone, God, and now I want you. I need you, God. Oh, my God, I'm so desperate, God. And then, now I'm good, I'm good, I'm on a mountaintop, and we kind of flip him off. We don't want it to bleed over into our personal life. We want the passion for God to come here at church and we want to worship and magnify God and we want it to, to grip our lives and we want to feel his presence and we want to say, worthy is your name. But at your work, if something happens, who, who would say, oh, praise God, worthy is his name? Because we we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed to share our faith outside. We want to turn God off when we leave this building. And God's like, why? I ask you, why do we do that? Why are we embarrassed to share our faith? Where, 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 where you, are you a Christian? Yeah. Where do you go to church? We, we're scared to share our faith. We're scared to share that we love God. We're, share, we're scared to be passionate about God outside of this building. We'll feel like, oh, praise God in here. Oh, yeah. You know, but, but when we get into our, our, our business or we get into our, our sports or wherever we're at, you know, hey, God still wants us to have passion for him. You're good. We, 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 we have 
for our dreams and, and our goals. We have all this unbridled passion to, to, to try to, to reach. And no matter at all costs, wherever we're at, we want an unbridled passion to, to reach our goals and to reach our, our dreams. But when it comes to God, we, we want to we wanna recluse him down to a, a clock on the wall. You got an hour, God. And after that, I'm checking out. Churches and pastors have to, you know, and I have a time clock just so I can know where I'm at, just, and then that's fine. But, 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 I, I, but the thing, that's just so I can know where I'm at. But if God moves and God wants to go past it, I'll, I'm, I'm always going to do that. But there's a lot of people that feel like i, I got to cut off because people's going to get up. And, well, if you get up and leave, then you lost your passion anyway. You need to stay. But there's people in here that are hungry, and I'm going to feed those that are hungry. I'm not going to stop preaching because you're, you're, you're weak in your faith and you think, well, I'm done with God now, but I'm not going to stop preaching because of the fact that there's other people in here that say, I want more, give me more. No, I can't keep running, going on and on and on, but you can go back and watch it online over and over again. <laughs> At least the worship part. But 2 Corinthians 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, no, and turn from their wicked ways, and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. We're not humbling ourselves, we're not praying, and we're not seeking his face and not turning from our wicked ways, and we're wondering why God has not healed our land yet. It's time, it's our time to call out to God and abandon everything and rekindle the passion the fire, the desire that's inside you. And quit putting a lid on it. Allow that passion, that passion that you have to burst out through outside of here. When you're at work, and talk about God. Talk about Jesus. Talk about what he's done for you. Talk about the, your excitement for him, your hunger for him. Sir Francis Drake said this, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we dream too little. See, it would have been easy for us just to say, oh, we just want to rent another facility. But our dreams were, and that would have been an easy dream to, but see, our dream was big. We want to move out of this place and get to a place that, that is bigger and better. And so we're just like, God, we're not going to settle for a small dream. We're going to go after this big dream. And when we arrive safely because of our, that we have sailed too close to the shore, we don't trust God for big things anymore. We want to trust God for little things that in case he don't do it, we can jump right back where we're at. And God's like, get out deep. There's a you know, scripture that talks about it, about to your, to your feet and to your knees and to your waist and, and, and in being engulfed in the presence of God. And we need to get away from the shore and say, God, I'm out here deep and I don't have a life vest, so you're going to have to save me. So I'm just going to totally trust you. I'm reminded also of the great Welsh revival with Evan Roberts. Some of y'all know him. And he just said, bend us, O Lord. Get us to the place where we, we're, not, we're not straight and positive. We're just, that bend us. Get us to where we're, we're humble before you. But we want, we want the gospel in any shape that will keep us comfortable. Here's the, here's the shame with, with, with churches today. That, that, that we want to come and hear a wonderful message but we, and we want to see great illustrations, hear great music, but we don't want to have anything that makes us uncomfortable. We don't want God, we don't want God to speak to the pastor and through the message and have anything that, that touches our lives and makes us uncomfortable. We want to feel good about it, everything, and, and, and I want you to, too. But I want to be uncomfortable. 
When, I, when I'm listening to messages online or I'm, I'm at a service somewhere or, or I'm reading a word, I want to be uncomfortable. I want to grow. I'm hungry enough to say, God, I probably ain't going to like this, but go ahead, give it to me. Because I know anything that you do, when you make me uncomfortable, you are making me uncomfortable to, to, to put me on that wheel to make me what you want me to be. But as long as I'm good and I'm all happy and all that and nothing's making me uncomfortable, then I'm satisfied where I'm at and I'm never going to get any better for God. And the enemy's going to have a choice and the ability to try to bring me down. But it does not work that way. It does not work. We need to get to the place where we're like, okay, God, I may be uncomfortable today. You may say something that, I, that, 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 that touches, touches my toes, but it's okay because it's going to make me better. Okay? It do, if it doesn't move you, it doesn't move God. If it doesn't cost you something, it doesn't move God. We want the, we want the, the newest message, and, but we don't want a relationship with God. We want to hear and come and feel good about being at church, but we don't want it to, to, to challenge us. We want to contain it. But what, what God wants to do is God wants to possess us. He wants to overtake us, consume us. We want revival. But we, everybody would say, they want, but I want revival on my terms. I want it the way I want it. I don't want revival the way God wants to bring it. We, we treat it like, like, like it's the keys to the ignition. Like God is, I don't even have my keys. But like if, if, if I had a key, a, a car key, that's how we treat it. Like, hey, this is my key to, to, to revival. This is my key to God's presence. And we want, to just, we want to cut it in and crank it up when we want it. And then we want to cut it off when we want to cut it off. We don't want to, to just leave it, leave, leave it running when we leave this building and let it run on through the rest of the week. When we, when we walk out that door, we want to cut the ignition off and say, okay, I'm done with church part. <clears throat> and that hurts the heart of God that we are only Christians in here. We, we, we live a, somewhat of a Christian life out there, but we live a life, a Christian life with no passion. Half the people around you don't know you're Christian because you're, you're lifeless, because you're passionless. We want to have the key to the ignition. God will only come um, whenever, we, whenever we call and ask him. He's a gentleman. He will not push himself on you. You have to say, God, take possession of me. I want you to take to consume me. I want the fire in my heart. I want to be a blessing. I want to be used. I want to walk out of here and have the passion. God's not going to push it on you. We have to watch for the, you have to watch, the next, the next point is you have to watch for your moment. The, the catalyst, that, that time where you can jump in, right, when, whenever things are going good and you, and you, you just, there's that moment in that, in, in that song and you, you, it just hits and you know it's there and then you just jump in head first into the deep end and you just go after God. That's why I love the two songs we said today because the worship is contagious. You know, and you start worshiping, man, and you start getting into it and you forget about your week. You forget about all the hell you've been through and you just go, go after God, man, and you just consume yourselves. <clears throat> Let me describe this little story to you real fast in, in somewhat of a dramatic fashion rather than just reading it. They met at Simon, Simon's house, okay, and it was a very pivotal meeting. They, they, had, they, had, they had the low tables <clears throat> where it was kind of low to the ground. They would sit in pillows and stuff. They would sit on the pillow, and they would recline with their, like their elbows and stuff onto the table, and their feet were out behind them, Okay. And then they had candlesticks on the table, and then and, and they leaned in, and they and outside that's where they were all at in Simon's house. And outside there were other people, other Pharisees and priests. Lazarus was in the room, and and and, and who was raised from the dead. And in the middle of the table was Jesus, the light, the light that shine shine bright in the room. 
But they were trying to find some way to, to get Jesus. They were trying to find a way. They were all in there thinking, and how can we get Jesus? How can we trick him? How can we, how can we trick him into saying something? How can we grab him and nobody really know it? And so there was a lot of winks and nods in the room. You know, they're looking at each other like, You know, they, they, all, they were all like, they think they were gangsters in there. They were just, they all thought they were OGs and that they, they were able to just do what they want. We, we're going to get him. We're going to get him tonight. We're going to take him. We're going to get him. And outside the door, there was more Pharisees waiting. It was people outside that knew the plan. You know, Jesus knew the plan. He knew, the, they thought he was ignorant. They, they forgot he was a son of God. He's all-knowing. And he was sitting in this room and he knew what they were trying to do. But outside the door, there were more people watching and Martha was serving the meal. Martha was going around serving the meal and, and cooking for him and, you know, and doing that. They had a Debbie Neal back in the day, too, and so she was always cooking. And, and, but, but, inside, but inside, they were trying to trick Jesus, and they were looking for a mistake. Well, let's, let's, let's watch him. Let's ask him questions. What can we do to make him trip up? Why can we talk about the law, and maybe he'll slip on how he feels? And it was a very pivotal moment. But outside the room, everybody was whispering, what's going on in there? What's happening in there? You know, and they, they were saying, we're going to get him tonight. We're going to catch him. Tonight's going to be tonight. This is it. We're going to end this mess. But this lady outside fixed her eyes on Jesus through the door. The whole room was still. She was outside of the room. Nobody noticed her because she was insignificant. She meant nothing. Because back in the day, they were whack, and they thought women could just need to keep your mouth shut. Thank God today we we're starting to under, not we, hopefully the world is understanding that women have a power and authority can, can, can preach and they can, they, can, they can do their thing too. And we're all equal in God's eyes. But the thing is, is back then they were nothing. They were nobody. Keep your mouth shut in service. Don't, don't talk. You can't say nothing. You mean nothing. It's only the men that, that, that have something. So she was there, but they ignored her. But understand that, that the passion for the protege is determined by the pursuit of the mentor. See, the, the, the passion that you have is how, how desperately you're trying to get to your mentor. Uh, who, I'm trying so hard to come after God, the harder I try to come, the more passion is created in me. But if I'm not trying to get to him very much, there's, I have lack of passion. They talk past her like she doesn't count. And, and, when they, when they, and when they don't, and they don't understand, what they, don't, they, they, the, what they misunderstood even more than that, yes, they didn't think she was nobody, but what they misunderstood more than that was that she was absolutely crazy in love with Jesus. She had been following him around. She had been hearing what he preached. She had accepted him in her heart, so, so to say. And she was walking around, and, and, and Mary was thinking, you know what, hey, you know, I'm, and she probably, like everybody else, knew they were trying to kill him. So she loves somebody with all her heart. She's following this man, Jesus. She's accepting his word. She's accepting what he says as truth. And now she knows they're trying to kill him. That makes you love somebody. Your, your, your love for that person is, is increasing. Oh, my God. They, they're trying to kill somebody I love. You love somebody. What if you knew that, that somebody was trying to kill somebody in your family that you cared for? You would do everything you could to stop it, right? Well, in her mind, she was thinking, I don't want them to kill him. She, she probably thought, you know what, I'll go inside and how can I get inside and warn him? And she said, hey, I'll get my alabaster box. And she got her alabaster box, which is a life savings, maybe a whole year's wages. Some say it was her dowry. You know, and said, I'll go in and I'll fill it with spikenard and I'll go and I'll give him an offering. I'll give him an offering. And so, so and then what I'll do is I'll go up and when I'm, and when I'm giving him the offering, I'll whisper in his ear, they're trying to kill you. That's possibly what happened. And, and she goes against the box and she fills it up and, and she looks at Jesus and she walks in and, and, and she steps in the door 
into the room and his presence is filling that room and she walks in and she wants to give an offering and and all of a sudden she has this this marble alabaster box i have a little tiny jar back in the back made of alabaster if you want to see what it's made out of but she goes in and she's she's like i said they're all lounging with the legs out so she's stepping across everybody's everybody's legs trying to get to jesus and they're all looking at her like who is this woman what is she doing not just an intruder but a woman intruder why is she even here And she went by there, and her offering all of a sudden, when she came, her offering all of a sudden became a sacrifice. She started to give an offering, and then all of a sudden, she was overwhelmed by his presence, and that offering became a sacrifice. When's the last time that you had so much passion for God, Jesus, that that Jesus overwhelmed your common sense? She wasn't supposed to watch. It didn't make no sense for her to walk in that door and do that. But her love for Jesus was so much, I don't, I just, I don't care. I don't care what they think. I know I'm a woman. I love him, and I, I, I just don't give a flip. I'm gonna go, i got to go get to Jesus. It made no sense of what she was doing because it was wrong to the culture. When's the last time that you loved Jesus so much that you did something crazy for Jesus? I'm not talking about Fruit Loop stuff. There's a bunch of crazy people in this world. It's just, you know, they just do crazy stuff, you know? You know, fruit, fruit loops and frosted flakes is what I call them. You know, but, but I'm not talking about wax. But I'm just talking about being passionate for God. Someone laying there, that, 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 that somebody called 911, and you said, excuse me, y'all call 911, I got to pray. Something that, just, that, that just people just don't expect, that you're saying, I, I got to get to Jesus. And you're, you're coming in here, and you're having a horrible week, and everybody else is standing there, worthy is your name. You know, and you're like, I got to get to Jesus. I just got to get to Jesus. And you're just crazy in your worship, and you just don't care what nobody thinks. When's the last time that you lost control of your sense that you loved him so much? When's the last time that your love outlasted your reason? When's the last time that the term devotion was just not a page of your Jesus calling book? That your devotion to him is more than that. When's the last time that you lost consciousness in his, in his presence, that you were in his presence at some point in time here at church or somewhere else, and time just didn't exist no more? All of a sudden, you look at your clock, you're like, oh, my God, it's been 30 minutes. Oh, my God, it's been, maybe it's been 10, whatever. And you think, oh, I just, I just thought it was a couple minutes, and all of a sudden, now it's a long time. In, in 1 Kings 8, the priests, whenever the Ark of the Covenant came to the kings, it says the kings were so overwhelmed by God's presence, they couldn't even speak. They couldn't even do their job. Because it was, it was their, the presence had come into the room and it overtook them. I've been, I've been, I've been to, uh, you know, the, uh, down there in Florida where they had the, uh, <clears throat> the Orlando outpouring. At, what's the name of the church? Brownsville. And I've been in that place. And I'm, I'm not a super hyper spiritual person. I, don't, I just don't, I'm just not that way. It is what it is. Don't try to make it something that's not. But I, you, I've always heard whenever you, you know, when you walk in the door, I just felt something. I'm like, okay, okay, woo, glory. Okay. So, but, 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 but honestly, honestly, when I put my foot on, when I put my foot onto that, to, to the Brownsville parking lot, I was like, whew, that was different. I mean, I felt something. I was like, wow, I felt the presence of God. And I sat there from 6 o'clock in the morning until 7 o'clock that night just to get in the building outside there i had more church outside the building than we did in the building people was praying for each other people was laid on the sidewalks falling out in the spirit it was it was just it was just incredible but the thing was is i've been in there and, and i was in the presence of god and you get in this room and, and there's so much expectation which is a big key when everybody comes expecting you know you're in this room and, and it's almost to the place where it takes your breath you're like 
Why? Because everybody came hungry. There was nobody in that room that just came just cause. Everybody in that room, any, any spectators didn't show up because they left after sitting there for six hours. They're like, I'm done. I'm leaving. Okay? So, so the thing is, is, is where, when have you been so hungry for God? It didn't matter what you had to do to get God. It didn't matter how long you waited. It didn't matter how long that you, that you were in church. It didn't matter how long you prayed or whatever. And you made time for that. I'm so hungry for God right now. I'm so hungry for more. And it makes me so mad every time I mess up, every time I sin, every time I, ha- I, ha- I make a bad decision, every time I have a bad attitude. And I'm like, oh, I hate that. I-, I hate that I did that to you, Father. I'm so hungry for you. I'm so sorry that I sinned today. Oh, I just love you. I want so much more of you, God. I just I want more. I want more. And I'm just a... I'm just a dummy, and I keep I sin every day, and I know you said that I would, and I'm sorry for that, but I don't want to. I want to do good. I want to live for you. I want, to, I want people to get that are lost to, to see my passion. I want people to get saved. I want them to look at my life and say, that's the kind of Christian I want to be. I don't want them to look at my life and say, he's a hypocrite. Amen. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. I want to have passion for God. I want to love God. I don't want to sin, but I do. Paul said it. Paul says, what I don't want to do, I do. What I do want to do, I don't. I know better. I still do. And I'm the pastor. So it's okay. You sin. I do too. We all do. Nobody's perfect. Most folks live a life of calmness. Don't do this. It'll make me uncomfortable. Fasting doesn't really exist anymore. Do you know that the average pastor, the average minister around the, around the United States prays an average, based on a statistic, an average of two minutes a day? So if you pray three, then you, get up, you can get up and preach. <laughs> Not really. Okay. But, we, but we, we, shouldn't try to fit, we shouldn't try to fit God in our lives. I feel like even me... I feel like at times I try to fit time in to pray. I try to fit time to read the word. I try to fit time to love on Jesus. And he don't want to be fit into your schedule. He wants to be in your schedule, a permanent fixture. No, I go to work every day. That's in my schedule, but I'm going to fit Jesus in. No. Quit fitting him in. He's the God of the universe. He died for your sins. Are you going to fit him into your schedule? He's preaching to me too. Man, Jesus, I'm not talking about just being passionate because passion without compassion is the spirit of anger. Well, I got passion, yeah, but, 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 but you have no, compa- no compassion. You don't have compassion on nobody, so therefore you just have the spirit of anger about you. You're just mad all the time about stuff. That's not the kind of passion I'm talking about. We live in a world where people open a box and they have this little box and, and they have their, their alabaster box. And they just like, well, Jesus, hey, here, 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 here's a little bit of, here, here, I'll, I want a little bit, here's a little bit for you. I want to give you a little bit of love. I want to give you a little bit, a little dabble do you. Here's a little bit of worship. Here's a little bit of, here, here's, a little, here's a little bit more worship, God. Here's a little bit, here's a little bit. And obviously I'm not going to pour this whole, that's already down there now, but anyway. But... <laughs> I'm almost, I'm almost fired up to the point I'll just pour the whole bottle and change the carpet. I don't care. 
But, but I'm telling you, I mean, it's where God wants us to, 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 to not even get it out and just pour it. Like he said, like she did. She came and said, here, here's my worship. Here, I'm going to, and she just smashed. She just crushed her alabaster box. And, and it's almost like glass. It's like marble. And, and when, you, when you break an alabaster box, it, you can't put it back together. You can't, you can't put it back together and say, well, let me get this, this all back up. It's, it's, you put, you put, oh, I, I, actually, when we were moving this one time in this bottle, another bottle fell off and cracked on this concrete. And, and um, I was like, man, I got to come. I got to get that up. But what happened, it just soaked right on in. It wasn't like I can get it all back up and put it in the bottle. <clears throat> we, what we try to do is, well, let's get the offering out of the way. You know, all they want to do is talk about giving. Let's go ahead and get the worship out of the way. I'm tired of standing up. But we don't, what we don't understand is when we give to God, it stirs his heart. Oh, they're being obedient to me. They're giving their tithes. They're giving their offering. Oh, that blesses me, God might say. Oh, they're worshiping me now. They're giving to me. Now, now I'm not giving to them. They're giving to me. This part right here is all for you. What I'm doing right now, this blesses you. When you give in the offering and when you worship, you're giving to him. That's the only parts of the service that he gets. He, he, he's not blessed by me preaching right now. He knows he, he is the word. He is the word. He's not blessed by this. I mean, he's blessed by our obedience of being here and me preaching to you. But this is not for him. This is for you. From him, you giving in the offering and you worshiping. That's all for him. How can we come into God's presence without giving our all? Why don't we just give him a little bit? Why do we not come with a reckless abandon and just soak him in? I'm talking about giving your all. Everything's like that today, even marriages. Marriages today, they come into a marriage and you got to do a prenup agreement. Just in case it don't work out, we're going to split everything and everything. The prenup, so I get all what I got. You know, it's, 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 do you understand that when you, tr it should be, when you're in love, you, when you're truly in love, it don't matter. You're one. There's no way out. When you truly fall in love with somebody, there's, no, there's not a thought of it being out. It's, it's just we're always going to be in. When you fall in love with Jesus, th there shouldn't be no backsliding. Because we should all fall into love with God to the where we're all in. Everything, all of it, it's all there. I'm not, there ain't no, I'm not thinking about that. That's not even an option. I had, a, I had a divorce, and, and, and I married, and married, divorce wasn't an option then until, until I had biblical grounds for it. Okay, so, so but, hope, but see, the, the love was not reciprocal. But see, with God, the love is reciprocal. You love him, and he loves you. There shouldn't be no worry about a divorce. There shouldn't be no worry about anything. As long as you have a contrite spirit, an humble heart, and, you're, and you have a forgiving heart and say, God, forgive me when you mess up, then you will always be saved. Ephesians 5 and 2, live life of love just as Christ loved and gave himself up for a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. When we do that, when we give ourselves, it is a fragrant smell to God. Pastor Doug, you mentioned that over the past month or so a couple of times. What do you mean by that? Do we, does it smell? Okay, you know when you walk into somebody's house and the food smells real good, you go, mmm, I want some of that, right? That's what you do. Okay, that's what it's talking about. 
That, that, that when you give it to God, God's, God, you're blessing God. And God's like, oh, I love that. Oh, I, I want that. I want that. I want, I want you. I want all of you. When, we're, when we're, we're blessing him, he's desiring more of us. It smells good to him because he's like, oh, yes. Oh, wow. I love you. Thank you for what you're doing. I, I want to bless you. I want more of you. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of God. It's, we're not supposed to be wishy-washy in and out in and out. God's like, have a passion for me and stick to it. He, he's tired of us going, having one foot in the world and one foot in the church and trying to, whatever day it is, it's, it's okay. And you just go back and forth. To, oh, I'm living for God. Now, oh, no, now I'm not. Now I'm not. Hey, you know what? We got, that's, that's why I said get into the deep where there ain't no jumping back in. I can't, I can't get back to the world because I'm so far over here now. But we want to we straddle that line and go back and forth to whatever pleases our flesh and whatever day it is and whatever's happening. Lastly, she, she, she realized it was her time. So she gives, her, she gives him an offering, and it turns into a sacrifice. She wants to go up and whisper to him, but when she gets there, she's so overcome by his presence. She's so in tune with his spirit. You know, she's so in tune with who he is. She's, she's in one mind and one heart with him, and she gets there, and she just smashes her, her stuff and says, here, all of it, I'm, I'm, I'm all yours. Maybe, maybe, she, maybe she heard what had happened the day before that. In John 13 and 8, Peter said, said you can't wash my feet unless, Peter, Jesus told Peter, you can't wash my feet unless you allow me to wash your feet. Then you'll have no part of me. John 13, 16, he would later say that the servant is no greater than the master. You know, maybe, and maybe she's hearing these stories. Okay, man, I need to wash his feet. Maybe I'm, I'm the servant. He's the master. Maybe I need to wash his feet. First John 2 and 2, he's a, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for, for ours, but the entire world. Okay, I, I, I have sin in my life, and so uh, as we all do, so therefore he's the atoning sacrifice for that. Second Corinthians 2, 14 to 15, we are the fragrant knowledge of him. We are, um, we, for we are to God the aroma of Christ to the saved and the unsaved. So when we're sitting there, we should be, you know how I said, he's like, oh, the aroma, it smells good, I want that. When we're talking to the unsaved people, when we're talking to sinners, we should have an aroma to us to where they're like, oh, that sounds good, I want some of that. Christ, when we're sharing Christ with them, people should say, oh, that, I want that. that. That's wonderful. That's the aroma that they should have. Do you understand what it is to, to break the box? And when you break the box, spike nard is very concentrated. And when they broke the box, the, the smell filled the whole room. Everybody in there smelt her worship. You can't, you can't sacrifice with a God. You can't sacrifice to God without it touching somebody else. That's why I hear often, oh, I like what, when, I'm, when I'm in worship, I see up there somebody worshiping and it blessed me. I see how they worship and it bless because it, somebody else's worship touches you and ministers to you. But she slaps her hand down on that floor and, get, and gets that oil off of the ground right through all that marble and glass. And she gets the glass and stuff off, but she gets and she starts washing his hair. And the room comes unglued, indignant. They're appalled at this act of vulgarity. It was so bad that she was washing his hair and she ended up on her belly down at her feet. She lived in the opposites. Her hair was used to, her hair was normally used to seduce men by flipping her hair around and seduce men. But now she's wiping the feet of Jesus. Her eyes were used to invite men in, but now she's weeping at his feet. 
Her hands were used to caress men's bodies, but now she's washing Jesus' feet. Her lips were used to speak seductively to people, but now her lips are kissing the feet of Jesus. And her body was a tool of income, but now it's bent over in adoration to the king. Simon comes and says, that dirty woman, if you can come, I'll be finished in a few minutes. It might be a little bit soon, but it'll bless me. This dirty woman, do you see this woman? She's washing her feet with her tears. She's worshiping at feet of Jesus while, while Judas was attacking at his head. For 300 pence, we're going to give that to the poor. See, how can two people be in the same room in the presence of the God Almighty and one be at his feet worshiping and one being at his head attacking him? We have that in churches. You have somebody over here worshiping and somebody else over here judging. It's the same thing. The spirit of Judas. Maybe she knew the scripture, Isaiah 49 and 23. Kings will foster, be foster fathers. And their queens are nursing mothers. They will bow down before you and wash their face to the ground. They will lick the dust at your feet. Then they, you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. So maybe she thought, maybe he's my foster father. And I'm going to be down here on the floor. And I'm going to show people that he is Lord by my worship. She's sitting here worshiping. And if you notice, she didn't have a towel. You know why? Whenever you're fighting in a boxing match, and if you watch Rocky, you know, they, they, what did the, whenever he was losing the fight at the time, what did, what did uh, uh, Mickey say? I'm going to throw in the towel. Throwing in the towel means we give up, you win. She broke her alabaster box, and she didn't have a towel because she threw her towel into him and said, I'm committed, you win. I submit, I surrender to you. So it's time today that we throw in the towel. I wish I had towels for everybody. That y'all can just throw in the towel. Go home and grab your, your towel and take a bath with it and throw it in. Then get a new one. We can break into God's heart and we can break into heaven through worship. You can never argue or theologize God to move. But if you worship, He moves every time if you're worshiping from your heart. This place needs some box breakers. The world needs some box breakers. Your job needs some box breakers. There's three kind of people and we'll be done. <clears throat> Marys. Whenever someone starts to worship, something happens inside of them. They're the, they're the last to leave. They hang around. They don't want to leave the presence of God. They'll sweep. They'll clean the bath. Whatever it takes for them to stay at, at the house a little longer where the presence of God is at because they're so much in love with God. They just don't want to leave the sweet presence of God. They're the first to give in the offering for the missionary or, or, the, or the, the child's home. They're worshipers. She's an example of extravagant love. And Mary's will be remembered. Mark 14, 9 says, wherever the gospel is preached, wherever it is done, she will be, it will be a memorial under this person. Only place in the Bible that happened. Is there a memorial to Peter? No. Stephen was, was stoned to death, standing up for God. Was there a memorial for him? No. Paul, Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Was there a memorial to him? No. But Jesus said, anywhere anybody preaches, there's a memorial to this woman here. Why? Because she worships me. Not because he could preach, not because he could do this, not because he could whatever he knew, because he, he, he knew the scripture, none of that. Because she worshiped him. 
Number two, the second type of person that's here in that, in that room was the Pharisees, the judgers. They're not, they're not happy till you're mad about something. They're, there's like a continual, a continual beauty pageant. They want to go around and show everybody what they're made of, how holy they are, how, how fair you see I am. And they walk around and want everybody to, to, to look at them and think they're something. And the act of Mary worshiping made them start judging. And, and, you, and if, if you worship, you can't judge. And, you know, that's, that's what it is. You can't judge when you worship. 2 Timothy 3 and 5, it says that they have a form of godliness but denying the power of. They missed the rhema word of God. The last person of the three is Judas Iscariot was there. When Marys do what Marys do, the Pharisees will do what the Pharisees do. So you're going to have, you're going to have the worshipers, and then you're going to have people who going to stand around and judge everybody, and then you're going to have Judas Iscariot. They will always, there's always someone that will sell their soul to convenience. That whatever, whatever is best for me, whatever pleases my flesh, whatever helps me, I We'll sell my soul for it. Oh, well, I love you, God. Oh, but this is, a better, this is better for me right now, so I'm going to take a step over, and I'm going to go to this right here, and I'm going to serve this right now. But then it comes, then, but then I'll, I'll, I'll come back when it's t- whenever I need you. We treat, we treat God like a prostitute. That, 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 hey, stay right here, and I'll come when I need you, and I'll pay you a little tithes and a little money, and I'll, I'll get my blessing and I'll fix, and then I'll come back over here and, and, and be with somebody else next week. God's like, I'm, I'm not, that's not who I am. Don't sell your soul to convenience, whatever's best for you. It's what, God knows what is best for you. And he leaves the room to go out to the Pharisees. And he goes out there and says, I have had it. I have had it. We've got to do something. And when he broke that, you know how when, you, when you're around someone that, that, that smokes, you, know, you, you, you can get in your clothes and stuff, you can smell the smoke? Well, they broke the alabaster box, and that, that spikenar was so strong, it filled the room. And he walked outside with that, that aroma still on him. And he walked outside, and I've had it. And everybody smelled her worship. How can you leave the presence of Jesus smelling with somebody else's sacrifice? How can you leave church today and not have given your own sacrifice, but you smell like the person beside you because they were giving their all to God? You need to give your own to God. The evening ends and the oil still on him. And the next day they go to the Last Supper and he still hasn't had a bath. And he, and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he still smells like the worship of Mary. And he says, pray with me, guys, and they won't pray with him. He sweats tears of blood. And in that blood, because of oil, you know, oil, it gets into your skin. And that oil comes back out of that spikenard that she had. And she be, he begins to smell, it's worth it. It's worth it. I got to go to the cross. But he's sweating blood and his sweat, that, that spikenard comes out in his, in, his, in his blood. And he's like, it's worth it. It's worth it. This is for her. This is for people that's ready to worship me. This is for the sins of the people. I can do this. And they've taken, the theologians say they take him to the latrine, which is like a bathroom in the military. He sits in a corner. He's sitting there in a stench of human waste, waiting to, to go. And in the midst of that horrible smell, all he can smell is, because his hair's there, he smells a sacrifice. He says, it's going to be worth it. Guess who was at the, guess who was at the cross? Mary. 
He's on the cross. The guys beside him on either side, the winds blow. They probably smell. What's that beautiful smell is her sacrifice. Guess who was at the, guess who went to the tomb? Mary. That's my sacrifice. Today, we, we've got to quit being so feeble in our attempt to worship God. And we've got to have a passion for God. And it's got to be more than just in this room. I've seen so many people in, this, in, in, in a church. The hallelujah! And they go outside and they don't, even, they don't even act like God. They don't talk like God. They don't talk. As, they just, it's like two different lives. It's like they're, they're whatever that is. They're separate, separate lives, separate worlds. So the thing is, we got to get passionate before God. We got to get passion. We got to get a desire to serve God. And we got to break our alabaster boxes. It's all there, God. Everything I am is there. Boom. Who to you? It's all yours. I can't put it back together. I'm broken. And you got to break ourselves before God and say, God, now it's your turn. And every Sunday we come in here, we should never just sit around and just sing the song. You're a good, good father. Yes, you are. You're a good, good father. No, we need to think about, oh, my God, he's a good father. He, my father died for my sins. My father blessed me. My father was there for me. When I'm down, my father said he'll never leave and he'll forsake me. You're a good, good father. Worthy, worthy is your name. We need Jesus, Jesus, worthy is your name. You deserve the praise. We need to sing those songs. We need, to, we need to do that outside of here. I talked to somebody the other day. They said, yeah, I'm around so-and-so, and they all the time cussing and saying GD. So I decided every time they talked about God, I would too. So they would say GD. They said, God is so good. Well, GD, oh, my God is my heavenly Father, and he saved me from my sins. And they said, what are you doing? He said, well, you can talk about God in a bad way. Well, i got a different experience than you do, so I'm going to talk about him a good way. And they said, well, eventually they stopped talking about it because they don't want to hear me talk about God no more. But we have to, we have to, to, to be passionate. We have to have passion. Well, pa- Pastor Doug, I'm not, I'm not very passionate. I've seen you at football games. I've I seen, I seen you at, 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 the, at the little, the little, the little, the little, uh, the, what's, the, what's the, the little necklace thing? Paparazzi parties. Woo, woo, that's so pretty. That's so pretty. You come, to wor- you come to worship and you're like, worthy is your name. I mean, it's okay to move. It's okay to worship. It's okay to adore. If, 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 a, if somebody sticks a gun in your back, whoa, okay. What does that mean? I surrender. We need to elevate our worship, not just in here, but out there. People need to see somebody's worth worshiping. That's what worship is. Would you bow your hand and close your eyes, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I just ask you right now for your blessing, for your touch over your people. I plead the blood of Jesus over this room right now, God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And God, I know, God, that you're here today convicting and touching hearts and touching lives and touching people. And I just pray today, Father, that you change lives forever. That, they, that, they start be, that we all begin to have a passion for you, not just in here but out there. That people ask us, what in the world's wrong with you? Why are you so happy? Why are you all, why, you're, you're going through a, a bad time right now. How are you making it? What is the trick? What is it, what's going on in your life? 
Why are you always blessed? Even when, you, even, when you're, even when you're going through bad times, you're still joyful. How does that happen? Is there anybody here today who will say, Pastor Doug, I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I want to experience this life of, of happiness and joy and peace and love and acceptance. Does anybody here at all want, want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Anybody at all? You want to slip your hand up. I won't embarrass you. And I just want to receive Christ. I want God. I want, I want to try this God thing. Anybody at all? Well, who would say, Pastor Doug, I think it's time that I break my box. I don't want to elevate my worship. I want to elevate my, my passion for God. And, and maybe I am a little inward and I'm not quite so passionate, but I, I know there's a little bit more I can give than what I'm giving. I may not go all out. I may not be passionate like you, but, but there's more I can give than, I, than I'm giving so far. Is there anybody here that all raise your hand and say, Pastor Doug, I want, to break my, I want to give more of my passion. I want to be more passionate. I want to break my box. And I want to break, be broken before God. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I pray, God, as they break their box symbolically right now, Father, God, that you just minister to them. God, that as they break their box, let that aroma begin to smell. God, to you, that, that, that when it comes to your nostrils, God, you are so wonderful about what you see and what you smell, God, that you want more of that. And because you want more of it, we give you more of it. Father, we just worship you today. We break our box before you, God. We submit to you, God, to be more passionate in this world, to be more passionate about souls, to be more passionate about those that are lost, to be more passionate about those that are confused, to be more pa compassionate and passionate, God, about, the, about those that are out there that are looking for somewhere to, be, to call home. God, we love you. We worship you. Thank you for all you've done for us, God. In Jesus' name.